Let us bow our heads in prayer. Let us pray. Jesus, we come before you on this communion Sunday aware of the gift you have given us in this sacrament. We gather around this table as the disciples gathered around the table with you in the upper room. As we do, we sense your presence in our midst. We are reminded that you are always in our midst, but we do not always recognize you. We are reminded that you are always with us, but we do not always remember you. In the sacrament of remembrance, let us invite you back into the center of our life and responding once again to your call, let us respond by stepping forward to become your disciple and your friend. We come before you this morning as individuals, as searchers and seekers, as pilgrims on a spiritual journey. We know we have often fallen short of the life you would have us lead. We confess our sins, the sins of which we are only too aware, and the other sins, the sins of which we are unconscious. And we ask both your forgiveness and your help in amending our ways. We come before you because we need your help in living the life you would have us lead. In this sacrament, we come into your presence as your disciples did of old, and we open our hearts to you. We open our minds to your word, and we open our hands to the work you would have us do in the world. We also come before you this morning as a community of faith. We come in affirmation of the faith tradition of this church, in celebration of its history, in commitment to its present life. We know that good deeds arise from faith. We also know that good deeds arise from community, from this community. As we prepare to enter into the Lenten season, rekindle the flame of faith within us that we might recommit ourselves both to our own individual spiritual journey and to this church to the community of faith that nurtures it and which gives it expression in the world. Lord, in these moments of silent prayer, we hold before you all who are in special need, in the world, in our nation, in our church, in our families. And we also share honestly our own personal need, not only for strength to carry the burdens that life has placed on our shoulders, but for the patience, the joy, the affirmation of life that we need to carry these burdens with grace. So we pray in these moments of silent prayer for the deeper healing that only comes from you. We ask this, our sanctuary prayer and our many prayers, both spoken and unspoken in the spirit of our risen Lord, who taught us when we pray to say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture lesson this morning is taken from the gospel according to Matthew 20th chapter. Uh, verses 29 through 34. As they were leaving Jericho, 
a large crowd followed Jesus. There were two blind men sitting by the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they shouted, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly ordered them to be quiet, but they shouted even more loudly, have mercy on us, Lord, son of David. Jesus stood still and called them saying, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately they regained their sight and followed him. This ends our scripture lesson for this morning. Let us pray. In the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. For those of you who are listening to this sermon through my podcast, or who have downloaded it from your computer, either from my email or our church website, in other words, all those who are not worshiping with us this morning, you probably don't see the sermon title that appears in our Sunday bullet. The sermon title is, Are You Blind? You probably also haven't noticed that the sermon title, thanks to Rick, is posted on the sign in front of the church. I thought this thought-provoking question would be a catchy way to get people's attention as they glance at our sign during their drive down Southville Road, either on the way to the train station or heading home to Westboro at the end of a long day. And people do read our sign, they comment on it. Since the theme of our pre-Lenten reflections is healing, and since the scripture lesson for today is the account of Jesus' healing of the two blind men, I thought this wording would be a concise but powerful way to introduce the theme and maybe entice some of them to come to worship this morning. Then my wife saw the sign and just had to comment on it. Uh, she has a habit of doing that. She said that it didn't make sense since if you were blind, you couldn't read the sign. <laughs> you wouldn't appreciate how clever it is, nor would you struggle to come up with an answer to this existential question. In fact, as she pointed out, you probably wouldn't be driving down Southville Road past the church. I guess I just didn't think it through fully. But, uh, that happens to me a lot. Or perhaps, just perhaps, we might be talking about a different kind of blindness. The kind of blindness that afflicts even people whose vision is rated by their ophthalmologist as 2020. As you know, I get excited when I find a passage of scripture that appears in all three synoptic gospels. I know it doesn't take much to get me excited, but that's not the point. The point is that this passage of scripture was part of the oral tradition out of which Mark wrote, and it was also part of the oral tradition in the churches that were served by Matthew and Luke. To be sure, there are slight variations in the three accounts. I don't have any problem with that. Remember the material, remember the material that is included in these gospels was not written down until years after the events occurred. 
It's not the least surprising that 30 to 40 years after the healing took place, different people would remember the event differently. In all three Gospels, the healing takes place in Jericho, a town approximately 100 miles northeast of Jerusalem. It happens immediately preceding Jesus' triumphant entry into the great city. This is Jesus' last recorded healing. According to Matthew, Jesus heals two blind men. Luke tells us that he healed one blind man. In Mark's account, Jesus heals one man, a man whose name is Bartimaeus. Matthew tells us that Jesus is leaving Jericho, heading toward Jerusalem, accompanied by a large crowd. Two blind men who are sitting by the roadside hear the commotion and ask what is happening. When they are told that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, they make a desperate attempt to get his attention. They shout as loudly as they possibly can, Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd, which is comprised of Jesus' disciples and other followers, try to silence the two men. Just as Jesus' disciples tried to chase the children away because they felt their master was too busy to spend his time with children. Now they try to chase these two blind men away because the master has a lot on his mind. Jesus' followers know that this journey to Jerusalem is not like his other journeys. He has told them that he is going to Jerusalem to die. He has told them that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot bear fruit. I suspect that Jesus' disciples cannot understand what Jesus is saying about his death and resurrection. I also suspect they do not grasp that the teaching also applies to them. Jesus must be in a serious or solemn frame of mind as he turns his face toward Jerusalem. I doubt if he is thinking about anything other than what lies before him. Yet when he hears the pleas of these two blind beggars, he comes to a full stop. Scripture tells us, Jesus stood still and called them saying, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be open. The next line reads, moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately they regained their sight and followed him. As we noted just a few weeks ago, healing begins with compassion. Out of his great compassion, out of his great love, out of the depth of his feeling for those who suffer, Jesus restores the men's sight. He takes away the blindness that has afflicted them for some time, perhaps for most of their lives. I have no doubt that Jesus actually healed these blind men, that he literally restored their sight. However, even if we are not physically blind, this healing miracle brings a message 
a teaching to us. Blindness is a limitation in our perception of the world. To be blind is to live in darkness. Because we cannot see the light, we cannot see life, other people, and even ourselves clearly. By this definition, many of us are afflicted with some degree of blindness. This reminds me of a line from the 1970s television series, which I love, Kung Fu. Kwai Chang Kane, who's nicknamed Grasshopper, was played by David Carradine, has entered a Shaolin monastery as a child. Kane has developed a deep connection with one of the Shaolin masters named Ho, a grandfatherly monk who is totally blind. In this particular episode, which I remember very clearly, Kane tries to quietly sneak up behind the blind master. And of course, it doesn't work. The master who hears his footsteps and knows immediately who it is, says, hello, grasshopper. The two then engage in a conversation. <clears throat> Cain says to his blind Kung Fu master, it must be a terrible thing to live in darkness. And Poe replies, <clears throat> yes, it is a terrible thing to live in darkness and fear is the greatest darkness. Fear is the greatest darkness. I wish we could relearn that lesson now. As we saw in our Advent reflections this past fall, fear is the predominant emotion that lies behind prejudice and hatred. And what Poe said is true. Fear blinds us to so much in other people and in life. We need to become conscious of how we are like these two blind beggars. Our vision may be impaired by the narrow focus of our concerns, by the blinders that keeps so much of life from entering our field of vision. We need to become conscious of our inability to see ourselves as God sees us, to see other people as God sees them. If we become conscious of our blindness, we will turn to Jesus for healing. And Jesus can heal us just as he healed the two blind beggars. In Luke's account from the way the man, the blind man frames his question, it appears that he was once able to see. He says, in Luke, Lord, let me see again. The man has somehow lost his sight along the way. Perhaps his blindness arose from some wound, some trauma, some great pain that he experienced in his life, a pain that blocked or distorted his view of life. The man asked Jesus to restore him to wholeness. Jesus tells the man, Receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Immediately the man, quote, regained his sight and followed Jesus, glorifying God. If we, like these two blind beggars, turn to God for healing, 
If we open ourselves to Christ, if we allow Christ to enter into our lives, if we are open and receptive to change, Jesus will help us to see more clearly. Though once we were blind, now we are able to see. We are able to see God, life, other people, and ourselves more clearly, perhaps for the very first time. Whether the healing is of one man or two, all three Gospels record the same response to the healing. The men who have been healed become followers of Jesus. Their response is instantaneous and total. Perhaps this is because they see now more deeply than other people, more deeply even than many of Jesus' relatively clueless disciples. Like these blind beggars, once we are healed, once our eyes are opened, we will respond as they did. We will have no choice. We will become followers of Jesus. It might be a coincidence or it might be a synchronistic event, but this past Thursday, I believe, Wednesday or Thursday was the feast day of St. Bridget of Ireland, one of the three patron saints of Ireland, along with St. Patrick and St. Columba. And I know we didn't celebrate her feast day this past week. We, we didn't do it up big this year in our church, but I would not like it to pass without commenting on an incident in Bridget's life that touches on the theme of blindness. Bridget, who was born around 450 and who died around 535 of the Common Era, was supposedly born to a noble father and an enslaved mother. She was sold, along with her mother, to a druid, whom she later converted to Christianity. The king of Ulster, who was impressed by her piety, gave her a piece of land in Kildare, where she founded the first nunnery in Ireland. The community became a double abbey for monks and nuns, with Bridget, the abbess, the abbess ranking above the abbot. This, as you know, was amazingly countercultural for that time. It tells us something about the authority that this woman had, an authority that emerged from and was grounded in her spiritual depths. One of the stories or legends of St. Bridget that I like is about Dara, D-A-R-A. Dara is a blind nun who asked Bridget to pray for the restoration of her sight. When the request for the prayer and the consequent miraculous healing is granted by Bridget, Dara suddenly realizes that the newfound clarity of her sight in the outer world is blurring her sight of God in the eye of her soul. So Dara asks Bridget to return her to, quote, the beauty of darkness, unquote. And I assume Bridget does. This beautiful legend speaks to the matter of different kinds of blindness. We may be able to see perfectly well in relation to the outside world, but we may fail to see God. We may fail to see the presence of God with and within us. And as Dara knew, if we are forced to choose between outer darkness and inner darkness, we should choose outer darkness. The most important light 
is the inner life. There is another story about Bridget that I would like to mention. Bridget purportedly changed water into beer for a leper colony. And she provided enough beer, again, transforming water into beer, provided enough beer for 18 churches from a single barrel of water. I have a sense that the, the lepers must have really loved Bridget. <laughs> Finally, somebody <laughs> recognized them as human beings who would like a good beer once in a while. Um, Bridget is sometimes considered to be one of the patron saints of beer, in addition to her being hailed as the patron saint of dairy farmers, cattle, midwives, babies, computers, and blacksmiths. Computers. It's pretty good for having lived in the 6th century. My interest in Bridget, of course, in addition to removing and then restoring Dara's blindness is her ability to turn water into beer. She is definitely someone um, I would invite to a Super Bowl party. I know that Taylor Swift is cute, but I would prefer Bridget. <laughs> then again, Taylor Swift has a lot of money, so she could probably buy as much beer as we need. But again, that's not the point. The point is, is that if we ever decide to have a patron saint at this church, I'm going to cast my vote for Bridget. <laughs> the scripture passage that we heard this morning, the description of a miraculous healing, invites us to enter into a state of prayer. What the two men said to Jesus, what they cried out to him, was actually a prayer. They verbalized what might be called a prayer of invocation. Their faith in the healing that they experienced in and through it encourages us to invoke Jesus' presence both with us and within us. It assures us that if we invite him into our lives, Jesus can restore our sight. Where there was darkness, he will bring light. Where we were blind in our understanding of ourselves, in our perception of other people, where our prejudices have kept us from seeing our brothers and sisters as Jesus would see them, he will bring healing and wholeness. As we gather around this table in the sacrament of Holy Communion, let us open our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to the indwelling presence of Christ. Just as of old, to experience his presence is to be healed of whatever infirmities afflict us. When this happens, like the blind beggars, we will find ourselves responding with deep gratitude, with great love. We will become followers of our Lord, committed disciples of the way. And then perhaps we can bring light into the lives of others and to a world that desperately needs it. Let us pray. Almighty God, help us to know that you are with us. Help us to take courage from your presence. Help us overcome the obstacles we face, whether they are placed in our path by the outside world or by our own doing. Help us to triumph in whatever battles we need to fight, either with forces in the outside world or within ourselves. Help us to carry the burdens that we need to carry with grace and dignity. But help us also to distinguish the burdens that are placed upon our shoulders by life and those which we place upon ourselves. 
Heal us, remove the scales of blindness that prevent us from seeing you, other people, ourselves, little animals, and life itself clearly and through the eyes of love. Remind us that you are with us all the moments of our lives, that not even death can separate us from your love and care, that the many deaths of our lives may lead us closer to you and to our true selves. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.